This is the Renewing Our City podcast, session number three. Welcome to the Renewing Our City podcast. This is the podcast that will help you share Jesus and serve others from your own neighborhood to around the world. Well, I'm your host, Pastor Matt Shaw. What's up, guys? Again, this episode has a ton of useful inspiration and information on how you can fulfill the Great Commission, particularly in Africa. Today's special guest is my friend Joshua Gao, the president and founder of Fishers of Men's Ministry. Fishers of Men is not just about themselves, but really about church planning and the kingdom of God. Like I said, today's special guest is Joshua Gao, and he is an amazing man of God. Fishers of Men is not about their own prosperity. We're going to be talking about the prosperity gospel and some of these other hot topics in uh, African missions, but also they are about building the kingdom of God in Kenya by planting churches, training leaders, caring for children, and so much more. Fishers of Men's goal is to train and to send local missionaries to the 47 counties of Kenya to reach their entire community and their entire country. This is a huge goal, and I just love how big Joshua thinks. Also, Joshua has an amazing testimony from growing up in poverty to building a career for himself to giving it all up for the sake of the gospel to reach children. Then he ends up becoming a respected leader and a pastor who I respect greatly in both Kenya and the United States. Well, real quick, I want to remind you that you can find the show notes for this episode at PastorMattShaw.com forward slash 003. There you're going to find a helpful information mentioned throughout the show. I'll throw some links and different things throughout the show that we talk about. But also, there's a place for you to leave a comment, and this is great for you to participate in the community with like-minded Christians that we can comment on these episodes. As we start this interview, I'll quote Jesus. He says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So get your listening ears on, and let's get going with Joshua. Welcome to the show. Uh, I have uh, Joshua Gao here, uh, sitting here with me, uh, getting an interview, and we've already been talking for a little bit just about some of his amazing ministries. Joshua is the president and founder of Fishers of Men Ministry uh, here in the Quad Cities uh, and also in Kenya, Africa. So welcome to the show, Joshua. Thank you. So uh, can you tell me a little bit about your story? You have a pretty cool story. I know uh, I've talked to you in person, but also just reading online. Tell us how you became a Christian and how you got to the United States. Well, it's it's a long story, and um, um, if I start telling, uh, talking about it, it can take a long time. But uh, when I where I was born, I was born in Eastern Kenya, and uh, I I was born in a very poor family. And when we talk about poverty or a poor family in Kenya, it's not like anything that people can think about here. Because I, when first our school was like 12 miles away. And every morning we had to, you know, run to school and back. And I got my first pair of shoes when I was almost close to 17 years old. So you're a pretty big runner then? 
Ah, uh, not really. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not a runner, but uh, everybody in Kenya is a runner because you have to run to school. Yeah. Because during that time is when you you are late in school. You are, you are running through the bushes all the way, and you know at night starting like three in the morning, and so that you can arrive at seven thirty in school. And when you leave school at four, you arrive at eight at night. So it was just a, a real, uh, you know, exhausting, you know, tiring thing. But we had to do it because that was there was no other option. Tell me more about uh, some of this poverty that you grew up in. I don't think uh, myself I can even fathom of some of the living conditions. What What are you talking about? Just no no shoes. Yeah, no shoes, and uh, you know, like. During my, you know, all the 17 years, you know, before I went to work in, uh, in Nairobi, in the capital city, we did not even own a mattress. So I did not, you know, grow. It's, we used to have either a skin of, a, a, you know, a cow, you know, a big, yeah. you know, where we can just put sticks together. We did not have like a house. It was just, you know, sticks put together and that was the house. And then you, the bed, you just put sticks because we could not afford a bed. Every morning we used to go uh, without breakfast and there was no lunch. And we did not know whether there would be dinner when we come back home. So what caused so much of this poverty uh, of you, you personally growing up in the poverty? Um. First, it is if you talk about Kenya and you ask anybody where there is no food or the driest place, they will tell you Eastern Kenya. Okay. That's it's very dry. Even right now, we just, you know, we went with, uh, you know, one of the radio stations here and we were able to take food. The people donated money when we were going to Kenya in August to go to buy food for the same, uh, you know, area where I grew up because it wow. is still very dry. We bought a lot of food. We put a lot of videos and pictures uh, for us distributing food. We got food for them for, the, for almost like a three months so that you know so they have been now going and getting food and that's all the food that they have in that area right now what we gave to them so that's it is because of the drought there's drought all the time it doesn't uh, rain a lot it is also borders Somalia so we are at the near the border of you know Somalia where so it is very very dry and uh so that's why people are very poor and uh, they cannot, um, you know, there's no way that they can survive with, um, uh, because uh, there's, you know, kind of, you know, there's, there's no food. So, so let me, uh, let me interject. Let's get back to your story a little bit. So you grew, you grew up and um, am I correct? You know, single mom, uh, your, your mother was a single parent most of your life. Yeah, my my father died when I was one year yeah, old, and, and uh, so you guys all had to work. You're you're uh, running to school. How did you get to uh, Nairobi? How did you get to where you were at education wise? What 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 kind of path did you take? As I grew up, I you know we 
I my mother was working, you know, at the local farms and you know just to get us food or my school uniform. Actually, I did not have. I just had my school uniform. I did not have any change of clothes, you know. So that's all what I had for you know the weekend or going to church and all that. Just my school uniform. And as I finished the seventh grade, which was the top class in Kenya, you do a national exam. And I passed very well. Actually, I topped. I was number one in the whole region. Wow! And and um, and that's how you once you finish that. That's how you qualify to go to high school. So that allowed you to have opportunities with more uh, education because of the testing. Yeah, but now they, you know, you uh, you know, you have to. Uh, you know, high school because once you test that, that's how you go to high school. But uh, you high school, it's very ex- expensive. So I I topped the the whole area. I was you know I quali over qualified to go to high school, but I was not able to go to high school because there was no school fees. So what I did is I um I took I took a bus. You know, you know, you know, went all the way to Nairobi, the capital city, which is like uh, three miles. Away. Uh, it, uh, it, it's a, like three hour bus ride to Nairobi. I had no shoes and, I, you know, in a bus all the way and going to look for a job. And that's how Are you talking like a tour bus. Yeah, a I'm big bus. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so jam packed. I'm sure. Yeah, jam packed with with the chicken and air, air conditioned uh, bus, right? No, no, <laughs> no bathrooms in the they bus. They had chickens in the bus. Yeah, the chicken and goats, and you know, you just sit with all sorts of things inside the bus. So we, I was able to go to Nairobi, and the Lord helped me to get a job. So what I did is I went uh, and got a you know a night shift. Uh, the job then gave me a night shift for four years, so that I can go to high school. So I used wow. to work all night, you know, and then in the morning I go to school. So were you a Christian at this time uh, growing up? Were, were you involved in church or uh, I I was religious. You know, I grew up in a church, but I did not know the Lord. And so were there uh, missionaries or was it a national uh, church run by a local pastor? Or was it more of a missionary situation from a different country coming and ministering to you growing up? There there were a couple of things that happened. One was one of the local um, mission uh, church that, uh, you know, called a Redeemed Gospel Church. They and they were able to. Uh, those are the ones who uh, the 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 bishop or the pastor, the senior pastor, was having a meeting one time, and I was able to uh, go, and I, that's how I came to know the Lord. Awesome. And uh, also, the when we were in college, because after finishing high school, I went to college to study, you know, uh, to uh, in, in the hotel industry. Uh, you know, a food and beverage as a waiter. So when I was in college too, there were missionaries who used to come uh, to to, uh, to the college and tell us about the Lord. Wow, that's pretty cool. I know uh, we hear so much about Africa and, and Kenya and just different countries in the continent of Africa. 
And I think, uh, I think the perception for Americans and just other people, uh, that have never been to that part of the world, it, it seems like, uh, the hope and the education, and a lot of what you grew up with, uh, fits the mold of, of some of the stereotypes that we have heard. And I know with the Ebola, uh, ec- epidemic outbreaks, a lot of the, uh, not without clean water, a lot of these type of ministries that are serving people in Kenya. Oh, talk to me about some of the hope and, and how you got out of that, but also how you're, you're blessing that. You know, one country. of the things that I did as I was growing up is, um, uh, with all this poverty and the people who are almost being conditioned to living and accepted that they are poor. You know, people yeah. accept that I'm poor. I will never become anything because there are people that who we went to school with or we grew up together and they're still in the same, you know, poverty that we grew up with. I, I go there all the time and they're still poor. But I, as I was growing up, I failed. I told the Lord one thing that uh, I said, Lord, when I grow up or when I become in a position that you want to use me. I want to go back and serve you and make sure that none of the, you know, at least I can help people to not to pass, other children not to pass through like what I was passing through. And uh, so it became, uh, as I was growing up and got a good job and I started working with hotels and I was famous, I was known by, you know, a lot of people in Kenya, especially, you know, because of so many things that I was doing that were more involving the people. And then the Lord one time, he told me that it was time uh, to go back and serve and fulfill what I had requested that I want to do. And I think it's a pretty awesome story because pretty much, normal normal kid in, in your uh, hometown growing up running to school without shoes until you're 16 uh, really striving to be something better with yourself by you know making this trek and getting a job working hard through high school uh, getting a job in the hotel really becoming a Christian moving to America is that the next step or was there was there pastor you, you know after you know after I the Lord called me, that was 1990. I had to start moving back to Nairobi. I went, I left my job, went back to the city because where I was is the Masai Mara, which is like a game park. Mm-hmm. When, you know, that's where I was working, you know, in the mornings. And, uh, you know, I had even become a pilot flying hot air balloons in the morning. And, uh, That's yeah, pretty cool. And uh, so to show people the you know the animals, but uh, you know the Lord t- took me out of that good job, went back to Nairobi, and then I was I had no job, because the only people that I started with were like uh, four uh, street children that I started to minister to because I felt more being called to the streets. And those in, in Kenya, what the street children do, or the street, when the kids go to the streets, they start sniffing glue, the shoe glue, hmm. and, uh, they, and the, the, the glue makes them high. 
the one that you know people use to make shoes so that they can stick together yes. it makes you high so they sniff and they become high so that they can just do anything and because they sleep outside you know uh they don't have a place to stay so i went and started you know putting them together telling them about the lord feeding them wow. and more trying to uh, uh get them back to their right minds and taking back to either to school or taking them back to their villages and talking to their parents or to uh to their guardians or to you know anybody who could help them so that's how i you know i started the ministry and it was without you know i remember many times i went without food again and uh, you know all the house that i you know where the, i was staying the apartments there were you know there were times that i could not pay and the landlords came and locked the house or kicked me out because but i felt that it was the time for me to pursue what the lord had taught me to do i think so, that's why i get so excited about talking to you because i i can sense your passion just the first time i met you just the way you prayed I think we were at a Habitat home dedication, and I got to shake your hand, and uh, you were translating for the family, and I can just sense, even through that prayer, and, and since I've got to know you better, just the power of God on your life, and now now you're here in the United States, you're here in, in uh, Iowa, we're sitting here in Iowa, how'd you get to Iowa? Yeah, so... Why uh, would you want to come to Iowa? You know... <laughs> As I, you know, during the time in the ministry, there was a time there were a couple of people who came from the United States. And one of them... On a short-term mission trip? A short-term mission okay. trip. Actually, one of them was a member of the House of Representatives and District that... House of Representatives. Yeah, wow. in Mississippi. Mississippi. Uh, yeah, uh, Representative Charles Smith. He came to Kenya to visit, to visit, but he was with some other people, and one of them was a lady from Kamenge near Clinton, Iowa. And uh, so, and they stayed in 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 my apartment. Wow! And so during that time, I was able to because of having somebody from the house the house here, we 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 were able to go to the American embassy because. He had, in the American embassy, gave him a lot of security when he was there and he was with me. I was the host. So that's how the American embassy, it was, I was able to be introduced to the, uh, you know, uh, to uh, to the embassy and to be, to be able to get a visa later. to so come like to God's the providence, looking back, just that, that uh, relationship that you started building with that House of Representatives and then that lady... Uh, that really paves a way for you to come in here. Yeah. The, so when this lady, they came back to uh, to the United States, uh, you know, uh, Sue Williams, she was able with her fa family, they decided to pay for my uh, trip to come to the United States. Wow. And so that's how I was able to, to come here. And when I arrived here, uh, the Lord opened doors to, uh, you know, another pastor that, I was able to speak, to go around the country 
to speak in Santa Maria, California, St. Louis Obispo, uh, Seattle, Washington. Uh, I went to, um, uh, you know, all over, <laughs> all over the country, wow. you know, um, Missouri. And so I, and then, uh, the, during that time too, there was another missionary who had come many times. He, he passed away last year. He was one of our board members, mm. but uh, he was from Tupelo, Mississippi. So I got to uh, to speak in many churches around Mississippi and Alabama. So we during that time I was able to uh, because one of my big things was to talk to people about what we were trying to do, and what we were trying to do is to help these needed children and the orphans. That's amazing. I want to kind of switch directions. I just think uh, you'll probably be telling stories this whole interview, so we better get into some of the meat that the the listeners really want to hear because they want to learn uh, really how to do ministry, how to think about ministry, how to uh, think in a cross-cultural situation. Maybe they're even going to, God's going to place on their heart to work with people in Kenya or your ministry. So let's kind of jump into it and talk about ministering in Kenya, ministering in Africa. Would you say that, Kenya is different than other parts of Africa, or can we just lump that all into one, one group of people and just say this is how to minister into Africa? First, I, I I want to say that most of the African countries, uh, most of them, not all of them, because we have many uh, countries that that are, you know, ninety nine point nine percent Muslims. Okay. So that's kind of different setting. But most of the you know Christian uh, kind of countries or the countries that are not you know hostile to Christianity, they are almost people are almost the same. So ministering to in Africa is almost the same. One of the big things that people should know is and that which which brings frustration, and it makes people to try and they fail. Or they go there and they just do it the wrong, completely wrong way. Is you have to have a call if you want to be a missionary in Kenya or in Africa. Are you talking about a, a, a Kenyan person becoming a missionary, or like myself going to Kenya being a missionary? It, it it's both. You know, you know, because I think I, I, I think the word of God or the the calling of the Lord or you, you know anybody going out to minister, there's sacrifice that you have to you know to go through. There are things that you have to um, make sure unless you are called by the Lord to go to do it to become a missionary, it is it will be very frustrating because you won't be looking for maybe a prestige kind of reception or you go there and I've gone with some people and when they go there uh, to Africa, they find that it's dirty. It's not, it is not what they're used to. You have to be ready to go to change, you know, because like, as I said earlier, I had, when the Lord called me, I transitioned from poor to having money, to having a good life, or, you know, good, you know, uh, salary. And then when the Lord called me, I had to go back again and almost start over. You know, and there was a lot of sacrifice, you know. Everybody was asking me, really? 
Are you in your sound mind to go back and start over with nothing? Because you have to know that as a missionary, you there won't be a lot of straining. And be, but the Lord who has called you is faithful. And if mm. he has called you, you know, whatever he will, he will allow you to go through, at the end, there will be a testimony of what you are going to, because there won't be victory. It might not be the way the world might look at the victory, but, you know, you the, it won't be a victory that will glorify the Lord. So this doesn't sound like the the typical uh, missions conversation of uh, kind of what I hear a lot of is what's preached in Africa is the pe- prosperity gospel of uh, people coming as missionaries and preaching that uh, you need to be healthy, wealthy, wise, that type of thing. It doesn't sound like your testimony lines up with that. Is are, are, are you seeing a lot of effects of the prosperity gospel or people preaching that? Or is that even, is that just something I'm hearing a lot of that's not effective? Most of the prosperity, it's, it's actually a lot right now in Africa. Yes. And uh, most of it is, you know, um, I look at it as people who are looking for kind of a business they can go there and all what they and that's what i was talking about people who are not called their call yes. is to make money their call is to tell people to give their call is not to win souls to christ it's to tell people to come so that they can get more and more than get yes. richer and the, those are people in africa right now you go to a village like in the slums or where people of nothing, yes. you know, where AIDS has killed a lot of people. You know, people have died. We have so many orphans. But you find a pastor, you know, just coming where there are no roads and all that, but coming with a big vehicle, a vehicle that he has paid thousands and thousands of dollars. Just, but just because they are preaching you know, prosperity, and then they get a way of, you know, coming like to the United States, raising a lot of money and all that money going back to their own pockets and building their own kingdom. So that's a big problem right now for people who are trying to build their kingdoms rather than building the kingdom of God. What we have, you know, like the the way... You know, uh, I believe is that, and the way we do is that um, we, anything that we raise ourselves, we, every need that we mention or we raise something, it goes exactly to helping those things. And my board that I have, we have a board here, uh, you know, that we have formed, in the, you know, you know, locally. Board of in, directors. In board of directors. Yes. Yes. And they all know that with the, we oversee, you know, they oversee everything that is done and everything that is funded, it is there. 
and the board goes and people go, they find things and we invite them to go and see if we have built two medical clinics. And when you go there, they're there, anything that has come. We just a couple of years ago, two years ago, two, three years ago, we we, we applied for uh, ECFA, Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. And they are monitoring us every year, you know, putting everything that we are getting on the on the website. You know, just yeah. to show that how it was used. So accountability is what has made, you know, uh, it's lacking right now in the missions. As people raise money, they are building their own kingdom and the kingdom of God is yeah, not. I think that makes that. a lot of people nervous. They want to give to missions. I know many people, uh, just Christians I meet, are so generous with their finances, but they want it to go to somebody that's going to make a difference. They don't want to just line pockets of, of people that are trying to be a scam. And how can we, you being here in America, you being over in Kenya, how could how could the listeners make sure that they're not getting scammed or that somebody's not just a fake ministry type of thing? Maybe they got a great presentation, they show us. How do we know? Yeah, one of the things is, you know, what I can tell everybody who wants to be involved in missions is just to prayerfully be very careful. Be very careful that you don't, I I know people like um, in Africa, they think every time they see a white or they see a, you know, an American, they think that all Americans have money. And they they think that many people think as if money grows on trees or you can just get dollars somewhere. So as long as you are in America, they think that you have a lot of money. So one of the things that you need to be careful is immediately you... Uh, and I know many, many of the listeners... You have gotten a letter or email from a strange person somewhere yes. in Africa, you know, just telling you about their ministry and all what they want to do is they tell you about all these. But there are many people who take pictures of other ministries and they start telling you that they have their ministry. So you're freaking me out more. So how, <laughs> you're telling me, hey, these ministries are taking other pictures or trying to just scam the system. I think for you guys, it seems like your EFCA seal of approval is you guys have documented proof from a, a an organization that you are not affiliated with outside uh, organization is going to come in and do an audit of your finances, make sure what you're doing. Is that is that kind of some of your... Uh, accountability as well as a board of directors yes that's one one of the things and also like uh, this last time in august going with uh you know uh somebody from moody radio 
and for them going to all the missions that we do actually is the one who did all our you know um uh, you know uh, our videos you know like in documentary yes. you know you know telling people about all what we do in every mission uh, mission and even where we have the two over 200 children uh, taking a video all around the missions and all that so with some and a, a doctor that went with us even from and wait uh, to go to a, a high doctor who uh, Dr. Palmer went to just check eyes for our children. So with all that, we try every August we take people who are have been involved with, uh, you know, funding the ministry. We tell them, can you go and see for yourself, and then be, you know, you know that the money that you gave you know, where it went, what you funded is that, there. That is cool. uh, so we are, uh, we are a open book where, you know, people can just say, you know, I gave this money, I'm giving this money, but I want to go this time, you know, next year, I want to make a mission trip to go to see what is being done. So that's what we just don't show pictures. We go and when we go there, missionaries interact with the local people to know about what we are doing. That's so neat. And we, I, uh, I think people need to be uh, looking for organizations to support as well, you know, like Fishers of Men, where they have uh, people that have gone on trips. I know Joshua, you're always telling me, hey, this guy went on a trip, talk to him, and trying to have that accountability as well as a board of directors, outside financial accountability. I, th- I think that's some great advice, you know, that you just gave of trying to make sure that your ministry is actually serving people and, and sharing Jesus with people in Kenya. And I kind of want to uh, switch directions a little bit from the financial to how to do ministry in Kenya because I'm not that familiar with Africa. I've worked a lot with Ukraine and, and uh, other countries uh, in in, uh, in Europe. I haven't done a lot of ministry in Africa or, or uh, have su- have supported African missionaries, what's some of the big key things that you guys do in Africa to reach African people in Kenya? One of the things that missionaries or when a church, you know, is um, planning to support a missionary or missions or want to become involved is first to know that our First, to be careful of who to start with. Second, to know that as Americans, and that's where you be careful, that you you have to try to work more with a a local person or somebody who is more from the country, meaning that those people, they know better how to reach their own people. Yes. And so you cannot, I've, I've seen many people getting very frustrated going from being an American and they go to Africa, they say, I want to move to Africa uh, to uh, to go to become a missionary. And uh, they go there with, they, they raise the money, they raise support here and they go there and they start right away working with the people. 
and uh, later they become either they are conned, the money is taken away, or things become very expensive. Everything becomes expensive because you know you don't speak their language, and there there are so many ways of you know you know people yeah. lying to you. So first is to be very very careful who you are you are aligned with or what you know the you know the um with the people that work with one of the things that i tell people is i've, I've met many people saying i feel a call to become a missionary and i tell people that you know the first thing uh, there are people who have come saying i want to be a missionary with fishers or men and i tell them that the first thing to do is if you really have a call is take a very a short term mission Let's say like two weeks. We so we go with the people for two weeks, and when they go there first, they go to see. And when you are there, it's very easy for the Lord to talk to you that this is where you have been called as a missionary. I've gone three quarters or more of the almost more than eighty percent of the people that I go with them the first time. They come back and they say, "I feel." that I want just to support you or I want to support the missions. And they change from being a missionary because they have seen something different. And then and then if the person is still feels that their cord is well we I say now you can go for a, a month. Okay. And then from there now they start being ready and they so it is not just a moving let's move and go to be, to become missionaries because and then when you are there you have to have some people now because the language barrier nobody will speak English. And the people who too have you know grown in a different thinking that you have to kind of know how to work with them. So, so you really seem like you you recommend supporting national missionaries or people that grew up in Kenya that have become Christians. And I know you work with training pastors that are local pastors in those uh, different towns that you're working with, those villages that you're working in. Is that kind of what you recommend more than having an outsider come in? Or what's the benefit of a outsider coming in versus supporting local nationals? There are, you know, actually that's the, you know, what I, you know, I feel that American, God has blessed people in America with, um, let's say, great teachings, you know, finances, and the, the people in America are very generous. So the people in America, they can be involved in the missions where they can train, you know, uh, pastors and let them do the work of evangelism and reaching their own people. When you equip them, you know, there are churches like here who have, you know, started, you know, uh, giving like a monthly kind of support. You know, I'm working with one of the churches in Davenport that is more uh, supporting pastors. And what one of the things that they came up with is we looked for a good curriculum for uh, for church planting. 
And that's, they are supporting everything in that. But they are not the ones who are going there to be able to, to teach. Yes, we are planning with the pastor so that he can go there for a, like a week and put all the people who are being trained now to, uh, to teach some things. But it's good to teach local pastors and then you send them. One of the um, uh, calls that I feel that we are really, uh, in, the, in my office here I have a... A map of Kenya. Yeah. And in the, that map of Kenya are put, it, it has all the 47 counties. And that 47 counties, I, you know, I'm planning to train these, you know, pastors. When I train all the leaders, we send missionaries. We are going to send missionaries to Kenya, from Kenya to Kenya, yeah. uh, from a county to another, you know, so that all the 47 counties will be having missionaries. And those missionaries, they will be there, posted there for at least uh, two years. And in, within the two years, each missionary will have to start a church. And if they don't want to be pastors, we, we will have a pastor to send to that, uh, to that county. And we, with that, we are going to be able to reach the whole you know, country of Kenya that's awesome. with, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's where we feel that uh, we have to have a strategy and you have to, uh, to train locals. Yes, America can be used. To, for, uh, to equip, train, and, uh, and then send. Yeah. But you have to have a good leadership that you are working with that has a real vision that when you, uh, you are not going to be just uh, putting money in somebody who is more thinking of buying a big vehicle or bu <laughs> building rent of, you know, houses and then become rich when the people are just getting poor. Yeah, totally. And and I love you guys' church planning strategy. Uh, I think that's so crucial. I know in my own uh, just walk with the Lord, how important the local church is just every single day. And that's that's where I want to kind of steer this conversation next is I hear you talking about church planning, but you also have a lot of things like child sponsorship, medical care, a lot of the humanitarian aid of water well drilling. Why do you guys plant churches opposed to doing that type of stuff? Because many, many organizations are more uh, geared towards serving needy people than planting churches or preaching the gospel. Why do you guys couple those things together? I think I know the answer. But I yeah, hear it. The, 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 you know, the, um, you know, one of the things that we are all called or we should all be called. The first thing that, you know, the Lord calls us is not to feed people with food, but we, it's, it's uh, to preach the gospel. But we say that we demonstrate the gospel. We show the gospel to the people. Because, it, you know, people are not just spiritual alone. They, they, they need food. They have needs. And that, the reason why we put that together is it's a whole package of, you know, what the person is. When we go, let's say like we go to a place, we preach the gospel. Many people come to the Lord. But these people, we have seen some of them going 
for like in one of the villages like uh, three years ago where we there was a exchange student who was here in Davenport and now they their village they used to go 30 miles away to get drinking water and what fishers or men did is we raised the the money uh we went and did a water well and now we have done you know water distribution all the way to the village what cause is even if you tell these people about the lord and then on a sunday they have to go to look for water so most of the people they don't go to church just because of fulfilling the needs that they have so most of these people they come to the lord but they have no food their children cannot go to school their children become thieves you know because they, there's no nothing to do there they cannot go to school they go to the streets but when you take care of the you know when you go with a whole package after telling them about the lord you plant a church for them but you look at their needs when you start meeting their needs because jesus he did not just send people away when people had no food and he knew that they need something he told them said let them sit tell people to sit and give them the, them bread he blessed them bread that's what we are trying to do to make sure that people have something to eat in some of the places where we have the water we have started irrigation and this irrigation is supposed so that the people can do their own irrigation and instead of just waiting for the rains when they come they can have their own crops and they you know they, they, they so that they can be able to so you're not only bringing the gospel planting a church but you're trying to affect their whole life so that they can uh, feed their families so their kids aren't going to turn into thieves you're trying to help them uh, learn uh, different things, get educated. All these type of things are leading towards a walk with the Lord. And I think that's pretty cool because so many times it seems like people are one or the other. And I always say this podcast is so that people can share Jesus and serve others uh, yeah. in your own backyard to around the world. And I think so many times we try to split those two. Yeah. You're either serving people or you're sharing the gospel. I know a lot of people that uh, serve serve needy people and they feel like it's just going to be a, a handout and they're only going to accept the gospel message because you're drilling them a water well or you're giving them food or education how do you combat against some of those type of things you know they we have done it um um uh there are places where we have gone more you, you know in the humanitarian Let, let's say like uh, the, the the place that i just said it's in the coast you know near the indian ocean and those people are more than 90% muslims and they that's how they have grown up and they are very resistant to the gospel of jesus christ yes but what we did is we went and did a water well and that's preaching the gospel as we were doing the well they knew that we are christians and they but they have seen christians in a different way coming just to preach to them and that's all and then they resisted them right away yes. we went and did a water well as we were telling them that we, what we do 
what we that we are Christians and we are and but we are we did not go and start you know we putting a big church and then this last year we went and started building a medical clinic to the same for the same people and we are building now it's all the way done and and then February this year we went to start a church <laughs> and what we did is we had 82 people that day who came to church and three of them were Christians the rest were Muslims dressed all the way as Muslims wow and they came and they said we have seen you have already preached the gospel to us by the actions by what you have done you have showed us love and we we feel that you love us you know that and we want to know more about the Christ that you preach that's amazing and that all that now and then the local community including all those muslim leaders they sat together in a meeting and they said we want to give you land so that you can build a church <laughs> and they gave us land it, we have all the land, you know the, the 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 chief and everybody signed the land now we own land there that we can be and build a church muslims giving us land to build a church That's so that we awesome. can watch him Jesus. And you're saying a lot of that is attributed to first plan, uh, laying a foundation of just serving and loving on those people, y yes. but doing it in a way they know you're Christians. Have you seen anybody or have you experienced anybody that is only coming to the Lord because of your your aid, your your help to them? Or is that just not an issue? It's a big issue. But the way we, the way you approach it, the way you lay the foundation of what you are, you know, your ministry or the ministry that the Lord has called you, it matters a lot. And it is not just in Africa, but even here, there are many people who come to church because of thinking about this is what I'm going to get when I start going there. And if, but you you know the way you start the ministry, the way you start the church, that's the foundation that you you are laying. And if you lay a wrong foundation and you set expectations for the people instead of them looking at the Lord to bless them, looking at the Lord to open doors for them. They start looking at, you know, something that, you know, you know somebody has created, you know, somebody creates their expectations. This is, and that's where now the prosperity gospel comes in. When you go and tell people, if you give this, if you give $20, God is going to double that. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, you know, God doesn't work that way. Yes. And so that's where we need to be very careful as we lay the foundations of what we are starting. And that's where there are times that we have laid foundations, even in Africa, you know, and we had to redo the foundation again, you know, as just to see when we find that these people came Uh, because they thought that since this is a ministry that is as its headquarters in in America, we are going to get this because you know we you know the, uh, the, we are going to get something out of it. 
So we find people like those, and some of them leave, but we have, we still have, you know, have, you know, you know, very solid foundations in in the ministry. And now, uh, some of the things when they happen, it gives us more wisdom on how to do better foundations. We have been operating Fishers of Men actually uh, November 15 this year, next month. We are going to be celebrating 20 years since we started the ministry. Praise the Lord. I think that's a good place to end, Joshua. We're going to have to have you back on uh, because you're just an awesome pastor that I love talking to, and I think we could talk five hours long. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. What a powerful, uh, powerful interview, uh, Joshua. Thank you so much for being on the show. I want people to just have an opportunity to uh, find out more about your ministry uh, online as well as if they they feel God calling to, to give financially or uh, to uh, prayerfully support your ministry. How would they find more information? Um, our, our website is fomministries.org. And uh, when you go there, you can go to contact us and you have our Facebook and Twitter is right there. You can click right there and you join our Facebook, Fishers of Men Ministries, or you can uh, give us a call 563-508-5550. Or you can uh, send us email fom, uh, um, fom at fomministry.org. And uh, you we, we will be able to, uh, you know, or you can just go to the website and check all where you can get involved. Great. Well, man, I sure appreciate you. And we're going to be doing another show. So I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks. Thank you. What a powerful interview covering such a wide range of topics. I think I could go on and on talking about them, but just to name a few, you know, poverty in these African countries, God's calling on your life, sacrificing for the Lord, the expectations you might have for a mission trip, the effects of the prosperity gospel on Africa, accountability for your missionaries that you're supporting, supporting national missionaries. I mean, it just it there was a ton jam-packed that Joshua brought to us, and I just thank him for that. You know, it's so cool to hear him speak about these pastors being trained up and sent out. I think that's really the heart of God, and we're seeing, uh, you know, in multiple interviews that we've done so far, just this model of raising up national people from that area whether it's in uh, a downtown area or it might even be across the world but we're seeing the same pattern of raising up local people to reach their neighbors and I just love that I love this story about uh, how the pastors are reaching this Muslim village just by helping them and loving on them where they're actually coming to church and hearing the message of Jesus for the first time and you know it's just amazing I wanted to end this podcast talking about a passage that I was reminded of during the interview uh, with Pastor Joshua, and it comes from James 1, 19 through 27. So let me just read that real quick to, to close out this podcast. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once he forgets what it was like. 
but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and per perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person is religion is worthless religion that is pure and undefiled before god the father is this to visit widows and orphans in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world what a powerful passage i hope you can just go and receive that i'm just enjoying this podcast so so much this podcast thing has just been a blessing to me and these interviews that i've been a part of so it's fun getting on a mic sharing a little of my story and my world with you so i just appreciate that well that's a wrap if you want to connect with me and the other listeners to this show uh, head on over to my blog for the show notes on the particular episode at pastormattshaw.com forward slash zero zero three you can see all the episodes of the Renewing Our City podcast at RenewingOurCity.com. There you can find links and more information mentioned throughout the show. I would love, love, love for you to leave a comment on the blog answering this question. Who has Jesus called you to reach? What is the calling on your life? I'd love to hear your story and what it's all about. Also, if you want to head on over to iTunes, hit subscribe, leave a comment. I would greatly appreciate that. Lastly, you can find me on Twitter at Pastor Matt Shaw. Or comment about the show using the hashtag Renewing Our City. One word, Renewing Our City. What a great show. I just want to say thank you for listening. Without you, this is all really pointless. So thanks. See you next time.